about as great of a weekend as we did over here at the Slammer Bros Podcast. I am Jack Slammer. With me, as always, is the man of the hour, pro wrestling aficionado, and just overall badass motherfucker, Mr. Steve Slammer. Steve, how are you doing today? Oh, my brother, let me tell you. You know, after sitting in Citizens Bank Park and watching the Mets absolutely choke every single game, choke away the division lead, and just completely blow the weekend, you know, they came and they absolutely pissed all over me, and it is great to be able to take a break from that and to just talk about some pro wrestling and just some general life stuff with my main man, my brother. Well, that is sensational. Well, that I, I – well, it wasn't all that bad because tell the people at home about the two foul balls. Well, we caught, we did catch two balls, and uh, I went with uh, a friend of mine, uh, old boss of mine, and uh, we caught two foul balls in our in our section there. We were actually sitting directly on top of the Mets dugout, so that was fun. And there were a lot of Mets fans there. Unfortunately, though, the team decided not to show up. Sadly, you know, and. Uh, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. There's still a little bit of season left, but now I'm beginning to mentally prepare myself for fantasy football and regular football season. But before that, we do have SummerSlam coming up and the continuation of uh, watching all the fantastic professional wrestling, this fascinating next couple of weeks of professional wrestling between the build-up to SummerSlam and what's going on in AEW. It's just going to be a very interesting time. No, it's a, it's a, definitely an interesting time. You got WWE, you got uh, AEW with some big signings. You also have, you know, GCW, which is on both of their heels now that Nick Gage got that uh, bit of airtime. And also something else, a couple other exciting things happened to me. Number one, because I live in the state of California and lockdowns are inevitable, I installed a full-blown gym in my garage this weekend. Full-blown. I'm talking barbell, Olympic weights. We actually went to one of those uh, one of those tractor places and bought the floor mats. Um, oh, that's fantastic. So yeah, so it looks like mm. a pro-quality gym in my in my garage right now. Uh, just waiting on my leg extension, leg curl attachment to come. But my gym is going to be the envy of all in-home gyms on my neighborhood, at least. Well, a professional such as yourself does require a professional setup. So I'm glad to hear that you've invested in the professional rig. So that way, you know, if, if, if your state does, you know, lock everything down, at least you'll be able to keep getting your pump on as we uh, as we get ready. One of our long-term goals, as we've talked about on the cast before, the February show in beautiful Las Vegas. Las Vegas is becoming our second home, you know, our home away from home. Well, Las Vegas is basically what I refer to as what's left of America. Um, mm-hmm. So essentially, it's kind of how I feel like the country should be, where it's like, hey, you're an adult. You literally can do whatever you want there. But if you mess up, the consequences are very dire if you mess with the with the Nevada state legal uh, system. So basically, just have fun, but keep it within the confines of the rules. You know, if you like gambling, gamble, but don't put your freaking kid's college fund on the table. Unless you're, you know, unless you're in the middle of a heater. You know, if you got <laughs> three hands in a row, a fourth one is inevitable. Am I right, Steve? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you're on the ru- when you're on the rush, you got to keep you got to keep riding it. I mean, you, you don't get off the rapids when they're still when they're getting faster. Exactly, one hundred and fifty-seven percent. And that is especially true when you've got a fantastic table. And I know that the you and I have both experienced that simultaneously when you've got that badass table of people and the banter's going on and the drinks are flowing and the money's kind of coming and going. But at least you're getting some entertainment value in addition to doing a little bit of gambling. Oh, that's a hundred. That's a hundred and seventy-five percent true. Because here's the thing: like, when you go to Vegas and you go onto the table, you know for a fact that in the back of your mind, you're like, "All right, I'm putting money on the table that I'm probably gonna lose." But really, what you want to do is you want to find a really good five-dollar, ten-dollar hand table and some really cool people around because. I remember uh, after our bodybuilding show, we played blackjack for three hours. Uh, we won a little bit of money, but I remember the people who kept losing were having such a fun time <laughs> hanging out with us that they just kept buying in because they were like, I'm just having fun here. Um, and I think I think that's awesome when you have a good time knowing you just pissed away <laughs> some good money. Well, you know, it was a low limit table, so hopefully they didn't lose too much money. But I will tell you, this is why I tend to play poker more than blackjack, because at a poker table, you get the same level of banter, and I don't necessarily have to spend five, ten, fifteen, twenty-five dollars every hand. Yeah, that's true. I mean, well, there is. So basically, with poker, because you're like basically next to pro level. You do have the highs, the lows, and then there's the ante to play, right? So do you play the ante if you have the blinds, or when does that occur? Well, it depends. Um, Certain tournaments will have antes that kick in at certain levels, and now there's a lot of tournaments that do what they call the big blind ante, which just speeds up the game. And and all that means is that when you're in the big blind, you're you're basically paying two big blinds at the same time and covering the ante for the entire table. So it gives you it gives the big blind a little bit of extra motivation to stay in the hand. And typically the big blind is going to probably get pretty decent pot odds anyway. But, um, yeah, you know, it you know, every hand is different. You know, every situation is different. But, uh, you know, typical rules of poker is if you're getting good odds to get your money in on the table and you got a good drawing hand at the very least, then uh, typically I'm getting my chips in there and getting in the action because I like to see a lot of flops. I like to play a lot of hands. I like to be in the I like to be in the midst of all the action. See, personally, my favorite part, and, and uh, I only played that one tournament with you, but <laughs> I will say I was not the first person eliminated from the table. My favorite moment is when you really fucking got a guy and you really got him, and you just I just like blankly stare at him because I can just feel I can feel the sweat just starting to trickle down. Where he, whether he's guessing whether I'm bluffing or not. And one dude tried to say I was bullshitting him when I actually had four kings on the table, so I took him completely out of the game. But the, what, but what beat me that hand, that table was uh, there was this quiet lady who kept losing a lot but kept winning just enough to stay in the game, and she caught me with a freaking straight flush. <laughs> so I, I had – I think I had like uh, – Ace Queen or uh, Ace, yeah, Ace Queen Full House. I'm like, no one's fucking beating this hand. No one is beating this hand because I had three aces, two queens. I was like, I'm, I'm gonna run the run the rack on these people. Nope, straight flush, knocked my ass right off the table, took all my money, and then she wound up winning 
uh, that side. And then I believe you faced her uh, before you got eliminated at the final table, right? I believe so. The, uh, the see, playing <laughs> losing with a full house, you know, typically you're going to, you're going to do that just because, I mean, if you have a full house and somebody has it beat, you know, the, the, the odds of that happening are, are pretty low. Plus, you know, my philosophy is always, if somebody has a monster hand, I'll typically pay them off because again, the odds are so low. However, with that said, you know, depending on who you're in the hand with and how tight they may be playing, you know, if there's a weird board out there where there's maybe three of a kind on the board, you know, and I and I don't have, you know, necessarily, quote unquote, the nut full house, I may, I may, depending on, you know, how the betting goes and, and how tight I believe my opponent is playing, I can get away from a, a low full house. But aces, aces full of queens or queens full of aces, I'm probably going all the way to the grave with that. So I can't blame you. I was just thinking that the guy who was sweating was probably sweating your completely badass Macho Man Randy Savage sunglasses that you were playing with, which I was super jealous of because I only had my classic, you know, tinted shades that I was playing with. You know what? I was uh, I was making a statement at the table because here's the deal. I always tell people this. If you don't know what you're doing, either don't do it or look like you know what you're doing. <laughs> or try Fake your it best. until you make it. Fake. Either don't play or pretend or, or pretend you're like a fucking World Series champion just there for a couple of pickup games. Like you got to – it's one or the other. So I was just like, all right, what's really going to get these people? And then – when I pulled the shades down just to give somebody the, the thousand yard stare as they were making like a big choice, that's when it's like, oh, I got this motherfucker. But anyways, all right, before we get into the pro wrestling portion, um, the bodybuilding community lost um, lost an IFBB pro today. Um, his name was John Meadows. He went by the Mountain Dog on YouTube, uh, helped out a ton of people gave great information for people who were both enhanced and unenhanced. Um, and he left us, uh, at a very young age. I want to say he was barely past the age of 50. Um, last year he was dealing with some health issues because of, uh, because of the virus. Um, and a lot of bodybuilders, uh, especially the enhanced ones are noticing that, uh, the Rona is causing blood clots and things of that nature. So, what I would encourage everybody is please get that vaccine, uh, stay safe out there, and uh, to John Meadow, to the family of John Meadows, uh, rest in peace. And to anybody who wants to be a part of the world of bodybuilding, part of this sport, please, please, please do it the natural way. Because um, I understand, like, here, here's what somebody said in the enhanced world, and this is the decision you're really making when you decide to go enhanced and how deep you want to go. Um, a quote that I heard somebody say was, we're leaving 10 years of memories behind just so that, not just for, but so that we could have a platform that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So what I would ask is, is 50 to 100,000 extra Instagram followers really worth 10 years of your life that you're not going to get with people? So I take it on myself as somebody who trains athletes and people to tell you, do it the natural way. Don't get enhanced. And if you do decide to get enhanced, HRT through the under the guidance of a doctor if you need it. 
That's all I'm going to say. And, uh, Steve, is there anything else you'd like to add to that before we get to the SmackDown review, good sir? Well, I'll just I'll just echo what you said. And, you know, certainly our condolences go out to his family, Mr. Meadows, John Meadows. Um, you know, you were you were more uh, aware of, of him and and uh, more involved with him, I should say. Yeah. And, you know, a, a sad last couple of days, you know, we, we talked about the passing of Bobby Eaton on our last show and now in the wrestling community and now this in the in the bodybuilding community. And, uh, you know, to your point, you know, everyone has to take care of themselves, whether it's, you know, with, with what's going on in the world right now or what you decide to put into your body or not put into your body. And everyone has to, to make the right choices for themselves. But, you know, it's a funny thing because... <clears throat> when I started getting into this and um, finally getting fit and getting, you know, you know, the body you always wanted, that was when a lot of my female friends started telling me, well, you know, dad bods are back in. And I'm like, well, you know, that's just fucking great. Right. I finally <laughs> decided to get into shape. And now all the women are saying, no, 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 it's dad bods. But, you know, aside from that, you know, he, he, the guy, Mr. Meadows, you know, a, a loss to the community, a loss to, to his, obviously for his family and, you know, our condolences go out to him. And with that said, um, you know, on to some happier topics, hopefully. Definitely some happier topics. Well, I mean, we are reviewing WWE, uh, modern day wrestling. So, you know, there's going to be some ups, going to be some downs. Um, I will I will start off by saying this. Last week, so the SmackDown before last week's SmackDown, we came to the conclusion in various degrees that Finn Balor had essentially gotten neutered live on TV. Basically, the babyface gets beat by a no-name and gets his contract completely ripped away from him. And I, th I felt that both testicles got removed, at least from Mr. Finn Balor's character. I am a fan. This past Thursday, without giving too much away, I felt like he got one of his balls back. Like, I felt like... Maybe he didn't get them both, but God damn it, he fucking reached into the office, grabbed out one of his freaking severed testicles, and inserted it back into his body. He had some great spots, some great moments. Um, Reigns continue. Every week, Reigns just becomes a better heel. Like, that's a guy who's actually developed – He's, he knows he can talk now, and then he's also managed by one of the greatest talkers in, in the history of pro wrestling. So I will say that arc with what they got going, I was thinking, well, damn, how are they going to get me back? How are they going to win me back here? And there it was, plain, in, plain as day, right in front of us. Um, before we dive too, too deep, Steve, what were your, what were your initial thoughts? Well, listen, you know, Roman Reigns continues to be the best thing on, on either show when it comes to WWE television, and, and I think we might be able to make the argument that he's the best thing in professional wrestling right now. I mean, the character, the, the, the bloodline, the way he's being positioned. Did you know that this weekend Mr. Roman Reigns has passed over 600 days since the last time he was pinned in a ring? No, I did not know that. Yeah, so, you know, he continues to be built up, but Mr. Finn Balor, Mr. Finn Balor is mad as hell, and he is not going to take it anymore, not even if it means that he has to stand up to one Mr. John Cena, but we'll get into that as we get into later in the show, but I will tell you, 
they they pulled me back in and now I have some questions surrounding the main event of SummerSlam, what comes between SummerSlam and Survivor Series and what's going on with the Roman Reigns arc, the Finn Bauer arc. And believe it or not, I have some thoughts on a potential John Cena arc as well, but we'll get there. We will, we most certainly will get there. Um, so the show opens up with um, another promo between Bianca Blair, Sasha Banks, um, Zelina Vega, and Zelina Vega, all three talents. Um, and what I kind of like what they're doing here with the booking style is you have wrestlers trying to do their own matchmaking out there, but now they have two co-general managers who are like, no, you don't do the booking, we do the booking. And I kind of like this decision, right? Because, say, if you – and and this almost adds a little degree of realism to it, in my opinion, because if you were to think about it, you and I, if we were in the UFC – we couldn't just say, hey, I want to fight him. He wants to fight me. Dana, we're going to take some of your screen time, your air time, your pay-per-view time, and we're just going to go out there and fight. Just go ahead and sanction that. Um, I like the idea now that they're like, no, there's contracts. There's things we have to put into play. There's certain – at least there's a degree of realism there, at least how they're handling certain things. Um, so Bianca Blair comes out. After Sasha Banks just starts ripping on her, then Sasha Banks acts like a really good heel. As soon as Bianca gets to the gets to the ring, she goes to the outside commentators table, and they set a match for SummerSlam. It's not the best mic work I've ever heard, but it's it's serving a purpose. Then Selena Vega comes out, like what the hell? I've been here this whole time. You can't just come here and take what's mine, which is a title shot. So then. Bianca Blair, with perfect confidence, essentially says, hey, I'm going to beat her at SummerSlam, but I'm going to beat you tonight. So a total babyface move, not doing something stupid like Hangman Page putting himself in a stupid scenario that he can't control. It's basically saying, hey, main event for SummerSlam, here's a one-on-one match with you, one-on-one match with you. I perceive myself as the best in the world. I'm going to win both matches, so I'm going to whoop your ass tonight, and I'm going to whoop your ass uh, two Sundays from now. So, ultimately, I didn't, once again, I didn't think it was the best mic work. I think Sasha probably cuts the best promo of the three, but the segment for me did what it needed to do, and I believe that all at least the characters all have clear motivation and paths that they're taking based on where they need to go. Steve, what'd you feel about the opening segment? Yeah. I mean, the the crowd continues to be behind Bianca Belair. I, I continue to not be able to buy in for me. There's something missing, but you know, Sasha Banks is always gold. And my candidly, I think they're, they're missing an opportunity here with Zelina Vega. I mean, she came back to the company. She had some momentum, but she's, she, much like we were talking about with the Nikki uh, Cross situation over on Raw, Zelina Vega feels like the third wheel here. Uh, just some some filler for Bianca Belair before she gets the match with Sasha Banks, which then begs the question, though, what happens after SummerSlam? But we'll get to that. At, when, well, we'll find out what happens after SummerSlam. But, um, you know, having Bianca Belair 
<clears throat> Mo through potential challengers, the, it begs the question, are they leading towards a Sasha Banks uh, women's championship win at SummerSlam and then having them continue to battle or at least some kind of drawn out program with Sasha Banks. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, I mean, the segment did what it needed to do. It gave, it gave Bianca Belair something to do. It gave Sasha Banks something to do and continued the build to their, uh, to their SummerSlam match. So all in all, it did what it needed to do. I agree. The mic works a little rough and I think that's because they're, it sounds to me like they're reciting lines instead of just cutting a promo and Sasha would be the pro of these three pros, which is why I think she comes across as the most believable here. But again, it did what it needed to do, and I was I was generally okay with the segment. Yep, same here. I don't even think we really even need to grade that one. I just feel like it was nah. a thing that did what it needed to do, got my interest. Okay, moving. My, my, my philosophy has been on the show that if the segment does what it needs to do, it's a C, it's an average Yep, it did what it needed to do. It wasn't special, wasn't terrible. It just it moved the show along. See, good to go. All right, so this next segment, it kind, it, it basically, it, I wouldn't say it pissed me off, but it's, it just made me go, really, really. So, it, it, am I living deja vu all over again? Because you and I always talk about. 50-50 booking and how it makes it makes it hard for anybody to stand out or get over. Um, so next we have Jey Uso versus Dominic Mysterio. One of the things that I liked about this was uh, Ray tells Dominic, "Dom, why are you why are you having a match with this guy now? We're gonna we're gonna face him at SummerSlam. We got the momentum on our side." Um, I agree with Ray's character in that moment. Um, because part of me is like, okay, you have badass tag team over here. You've got badass tag team over there. They're in route to WrestleMania. Why don't you drive the point home that these guys are the best in your freaking business right now by letting them just trash some other teams in route to, to WrestleMania or SummerSlam? Remind us all that they can beat the crap out of people that aren't each other because, you know, even though they're in a feud, typically you want to build things up so it's like, damn, I want to see what happens when these guys collide or at least just freaking have some freshness to the program. But essentially, that's not what happened. Um, basically, two weeks ago, or three weeks ago now, Dominic loses to one of the Uso brothers. Last week... Rey Mysterio wins, and then this week, Dominic loses again. So, literally riding it out, 50-50 booking at its finest. I think that you've got four great talents who deserve better booking. The match itself was pretty good. Um, the action was pretty good. I love this kid's arm drags. I love this kid's high spots. <clears throat> the Usos are the Usos, so they're freaking awesome. They, they know their stuff nothing like I had no problem with the ring work here all my issues with this match were just the same booking decisions that we've complained about for six additional programs how how do you feel about this well actually I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you on the booking here so you know you have these two teams they're gearing up for their SummerSlam match they announced the SummerSlam match which we expected the the rematch for for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship um and they're they're killing time with each other without actually having a tag team match. So in my mind, 
Rey Mysterio being the, the, the living legend, the, the, the veteran pro, the former world heavyweight champion, him winning his match makes sense. Dominic being the, the young green rookie, um, losing both of his matches, that also makes sense to me. So they're yeah. having them kill time with each other. And in this case, I would, be, I would be a little hypocritical if I was asking them to bring in other teams because, as we talked about in the previous segment, when you've got a Zelina Vega where they're just mowing through her to give the, the SmackDown women's champion something to do, now they're, instead of having them mow through, like, the Viking Raiders or, or the Street Profits who returned on the show or whatever, they're having them kill time with each other. I kind of like that in this case. I don't necessarily view it as 50-50 booking in, in the respect that Dominic being the weak link of the team, which he should be at this juncture in his career, losing the matches, having Ray being able to win. You're not having one team. Like if, like if Dom and Ray were winning all their singles matches, then I would automatically assume that the Usos are retaining at SummerSlam. I think that's probably what they're going to do anyway, but at least now they're, they're giving me some reason to question, well, who is actually going to take the win at SummerSlam? And in my mind, you could also set up for if you're going to shift the titles back to the Mysterios, which wouldn't make a lot of sense to me, but let's say that they decide to do, you let Dominic get the, get the pinfall to make up for the fact that he's taken these two losses and now he gets the win for the team. But we'll, we'll get to that point when we get to SummerSlam predictions. But all in all, I didn't necessarily have a problem with the segment. Like I said, I think it advances the story. It doesn't let you crush your, your other tag teams, which their tag team division is in pieces as it is. So they can't afford to keep damaging teams. It advanced the story. The match itself was pretty good. And in this case, I would give it a C plus if I have to grade it. Because again, the C is it advanced the story. The plus is for the quality of the match. That's just my opinion. No, and, and there's things I I saw there that they did do, right? So you did have what they're what I think they're trying to sell is for the last two weeks. You've heard Ray say things like, hey, Dom, you're making rookie mistakes. Don't keep your eye on them, but also keep your eye on me. So I think that that could also be something where they're trying to drive this home, where it's like, hey, clearly this kid's tough. He's got talent but he's not his dad. Like, he's not – he's he's def, definitely the greenest one of the bunch, right? So I can see that. My only issue is it's like I saw them compete against each other at Money in the Bank. Then I saw mm -hmm. them again at uh, uh, three SmackDowns in a row and some various pattern of one another. I just think at some point what you could do to keep things fresh because last week was kind of perfect. Dom used their move against them. He got over in a weird way with the whole using his legs as leverage for the pinfall. I'm talking about the two SmackDowns ago for the finish uh, between Ray and, and the other Uso brother. Um, so, so what I'm thinking now is I'm like, okay, if your tag team division is already in shambles, we know we're at least going to get the Usos versus the Mysterios for one or two more pay-per-views because you got the two top tag teams going head-to-head -head with each other. I think you just feed them feed them both either in singles competitions with members of other tag teams so you don't bury them all together or you just show them beating another team to just show them growing in terms of chemistry with one another that, hey, they learn from their mistakes, they're badass, they got a real shot at beating the Usos. That's from my perspective of this whole thing because when you – 
you got to take a little bit of a break. And then, hey, after they win, you have the Usos come out. Now you guys fight, have a little skirmish. Um, for me, I wanted to go D+, but because you are correct, it did move the story further. I was just of the mindset that we could move the story forward, but do it in a way where um, – do it in a way where it's fresh and we're not just seeing the same a combination of the same matches each week and i'll turn it back over to you well well look i mean if i was booking it i wouldn't have had either team wrestle at all yeah i would have had i would have had them announce the smackdown tag team championship match and then you have like your your kayla braxton be backstage and interview dom and and ray and then have them cut a promo about how they're going to retake the titles or if you feel the need to have the the mysterios in action Here's a great opportunity, and, and I know we don't do this anymore, but this is why it works, to have them beat up on an enhancement tag team that's not part of your main tag team division. You get two local job yeah. guys to come in, and you give them a little showcase where you know Dom can show what he does and Ray can do the veteran spots. But they, they don't do that anymore, and, and this is the way that they decided to go. You know, Like I said, not the way that I would have done it. I would have just not had them wrestle at all this week. And for for anyone who would think that you know well they had like a nine or ten minute long it was a pretty decent it was a, it was a pretty decent length match well they could have taken some of that time and given it to the segment we're going to talk about in a minute which is where it probably should have gone but um again you know we i think we generally agree it advanced to say it advanced the the storyline that they have going probably not the way that that either of us would have done it but it did what it needed to do Absolutely. So I want you to set the stage for the next segment that you were mentioning there. Well, they shit all over the Intercontinental Championship again. What? I want to I, I want to hear you say that one more time before I go to the intro. What did they do again? They completely shit on the Intercontinental Championship again. Yes, they did. And what is uh, your mine and your favorite championship title of all time? The Intercontinental Championship. Absolutely. Because it. It used to stand for it. It was the it was the working wrestlers championship. It was the one that had the best matches. It was the one where you and I could probably recite the title history from the beginning, probably through the mid two thousands. Correct. Basically, um, basically, the belt used to go to the guy who may not have been the biggest draw of the company, but was one of the best workers in the company. So yeah, it was basically best technical wrestler would get that belt That's yeah, or your stepping stone to the to the world title in the case of somebody like the ultimate warrior but yes or, or even macho man randy savage in which case it was both 100 or Bret hart so yeah it was two it was twofold it was either the working man's title or it was a stepping stone for the for the united states championship and was this even a title fight, or I believe was it one of those matches where it's like, hey, no, this, this, this was, was a championship contenders match. So a champions contenders match, but they gave us a great ending, though, right, Stephen? <laughs> like they they uh, gave us an ending that was definitive, that clearly put one guy over. Oh wait, no, they it, it ended in disqualification in the dumbest possible way possible. Well, it, it was awful. You, you get a, a cheap DQ finish, but that DQ finish came after what, in my opinion, was a particularly ugly sequence where 
Nakamura goes for the GTS, the the go to sleep, the the fireman's carry yep. into the knee strike to the face. Uh, he hits him with the knee, but then he follows up and completely misses with a head kick. I mean, it looked like it went d- directly over his head. He goes to pin the the commander Aziz, the former uh, Dabacado, whatever his name was. Then yanks him out of the ring, and then this this fetish that they have with Nakamura's personal guitarist, where he gets up on the ring and he starts wailing the Nakamura theme on the guitar. I I don't know what the hell they're doing here, other than the fact that in my in my opinion they're clearly setting up Nakamura to take the Intercontinental title. But at this point, why do I care? The Intercontinental Championship. It's being booked like trash. It's being treated like trash. It's nothing more than a trinket right now. I hate it. I hated this segment. This was an F- minus for me. Yep. Um, I completely agree. The dude with, uh, I, I believe it's uh, Rick Bouges. That's what they call him. Rick Boogs. Yeah. Rick Boogs. Not my, not, not my cup of tea with the guitar. Um, I like Shinsuke. I just think he needs to get rid of this ass clown and go back to having quality matches again. Um, I love Nakamura. Yep, I love Nakamura as well. Um, Apollo Cruz is not a bad worker. I just don't see the fit with him and his new manager right now. It just doesn't work. The pairing doesn't do anything for me. It, it's, it, it makes me think of the Dark Order on AEW where it's like, <laughs> hey, we got nothing for you and nothing for you. All right, let's just put you together and like put a title on you, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I – they haven't done anything with Apollo Crews since he took the, the Intercontinental Championship from Big E. That's who he won it from. Um, and he's just kind of spinning his wheels. It's like they, they assume that if they throw a belt on somebody, like all of a sudden they're going to be made, and, and there's no story around them. You know, they tried to explain him going to be a Nigerian now and this Commander Aziz guy, but really they haven't followed up much on it. And the stuff that they've tried to do just – to me, it's like it's nonsense, and 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 I don't care about any of it. They managed to take a wrestler that I that I like, Nakamura, my favorite championship, our favorite championship, and they've booked this segment. and And by the way, Apollo Cruz is a talented guy. I mean, for for a guy his size, he's a, he's a amazingly flexible and 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 nimble. But man, they booked this in a way that makes me just not give two shits about this belt, this match, the people involved. Whether it's at SummerSlam or not at this point, I don't even really care. Plus, the belt itself looks like shit. It looks like a World Series ring that was kind of blown up and put on a – it's just awful. Yep, they they uh, destroyed it. And my biggest fear – it used to be my biggest fear that they were going to sunset the belt. Now part of me is like, maybe you should just make the belt go away for a while and bring it back as something really cool and interesting. But here's what I will say about SmackDown so far. So, yeah, I uh, – I can't quite give this a gym class F, but I got to give it an F. So you're going F minus. I'm going F. What I will say, there was one title that was not featured this week, which was a breath of fresh air, which was the 24-7 championship. At least we didn't have to sit through one of those matches this week. So for that, whatever grade I decide to give SmackDown, I have to give it a half a point ahead for not featuring the 24 7 title they have made me not care so much about the intercontinental championship that i would have rather have seen reggie and the 24 7 title so so in your so what you're feeling is it would have been better to just see them show showcase a belt 
that you don't give two fucks about as opposed to destroying something that means so much to you? Well, well, no. Well, kind of. It, it, see, they're clearly doing something with Reggie. I may not like it. Yeah. I may think it's stupid, but at least they're doing something with Reggie, and the 24-7 championship is a part of that. They haven't done shit with Apollo Crews since he won the title from Big E. He's just been kind of there. Some shows he doesn't even show up. Some shows he doesn't even get an entrance. He's the Intercontinental freaking champion. Yeah. The Intercontinental Championship headlined SummerSlam 92. Yes, it did. Yes, it and did. Here, and here, I don't know. I mean, this feels like it's going to be a, a SmackDown championship match versus something that even appears at the SummerSlam card, and that's that's sad to me because it, 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 it just it's awful. Yep, a once great, meaningful title belt is being treated like a fucking Cracker Jack toy. But I will say, there was a segment that happened after this match, which was fantastic. I think that whoever wrote this next segment, or if Paul Heyman just... Uh, well, I know, think you just hit the nail on the head. Or if Paul Who Heyman just ad-libbed this... Somebody must have been listening to us because was that not something that you and I had said where it's like, hey, well, I guess now if I want to be the CEO of Microsoft, I just got to beat the crap out of the CEO and sign his contract at the right time. He had a great line delivery. And one of our complaints throughout everything was, uh, hey, what's happening with Big E? Why is Big E not being featured after Money in the Bank? And was Big E's like, shit-eating grin and smile as he held up the money in the bank title was that not a freaking great reveal and then i loved how Heyman was just so totally weirded out played it ultra natural on his way back in i love that moment uh, i was like finally you did something meaningful with biggie that could allude to something you know i think it did what it needed to do and then Heyman freaking just did the Heyman and freaking knocked it out of the park how, how did you feel about this segment yeah i mean i could watch paul Heyman cut a promo all day so you know th this was good i continue to be puzzled by the fact that a a trend in wwe especially it's the opposite on AEW, but in in uh, a trend in wwe right now is that the heels are the ones that actually make sense so paul Heyman's argument here was absolutely correct the contract is a joke he john cena should not be facing roman reigns at SummerSlam, and the fact that uh wwe management is behind this is is ridiculous i totally agree i should not be agreeing with the heel manager of the heel universal champion but you know and and also you know i i, I gotta admit you know Heyman at the at right before the Big E reveal, Heyman telling Kayla Braxton that she's used to hearing "I'm not in the mood." That got a chuckle out of me. That was that was a little brutal there. But um, <laughs> the the only thing I the only thing I didn't like about the Big E tease was that I could have done without the really over the top facials and giggling. Um, I thought that was a little too much because he's basically threatening the the manager of the universal champion i you know i i could have stood for him to be just a little bit more serious there but aside from that it's good to see that they're they're keeping biggie in the orbit of the universal champion and i think what we're going to talk about as we go to the later segment is that there's there's different 
levels of orbit around Roman Reigns right now. And obviously you have John Cena because he's the immediate. You have Finn Balor in that next orbit. And they're keeping Big E. He's outside of that of those two levels, but he's in the orbit of the Universal Champion. That's exactly where you need him um, because he does hold the contract. And then the last thing I'm going to say about this, though, babyfaces holding the Money in the Bank contract doesn't really work for me as yeah. a general rule. It's a gimmick that's really conducive to heels that are going to take advantage of vulnerable babyface champions. And honestly, the best babyface Money in the Bank holders have really, you know, challenged in advance. They've let it be known. You know, the, the perfect example in my mind was Rob Van Dam challenging John Cena when he had it all the way back in 05 when they yep. were doing the ECW One Night Stand show. But, you know, like I said, the segment, it, to me, you know, minor criticisms aside about the the over-the-top facials, this was absolutely and, – and my other criticism about the fact that the heel, the heel manager should not be making sense. Not, not that much sense from a logic and a legal perspective, but overall – I liked it. You know, like I said, I can listen to Paul Heyman all day. This was an A minus for me just because of the, the facials were a little too much. You know what's very interesting to me here is that, um, well, first off, just to, to answer it, the reason why those work for me is because that's on character for Biggie. Like if another person did it, not so much, but that just seemed that those expressions seemed on brand for him. So, so, so real quick, though, I, I don't disagree with that point. Are those the facials of the next universal champion? Probably not. No. Shouldn't it? Shouldn't be. Do either? Okay. Let, let me let me follow up question. If, if Big E, let's say he he cashes in and he wins it, do you honestly think they're going to let him hold that belt any longer than one pay per view? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you about that. We just established on our last show that Roman Reigns has been the universal champion for almost a year, and we established on this show that he hasn't been pinned in 600 days. If they allow Big E to pin him and then they have Big E drop it back to him a pay-per-view later, every single person on that writing staff should be fucking fired. 100%. I mean, that would probably be the thing that would actually put Big E over. Besides, the, the match isn't with Roman Reigns. The match is with Bobby Lashley based on what he did to Kofi Kingston. Correct. Reigns is Reigns is heading in a different direction. He's going to have Finn Balor, the possible showdown with The Rock, depending on what you believe. But this is not to this is not to disrespect Big E. The person who's going to beat Roman Reigns is not is going to be bigger than Big E. Yes, correct. And I also think that it could be a misdirect where they could be like, "Hey, well, why isn't he going after Bobby Lashley?" To almost make us think that he's thinking Cena or mm -hmm. not Cena, Reigns, and then he pulls the switcheroo and then he goes after goes after Lashley. Well, and honestly, I'd rather see Lashley versus Big E than, than Roman Reigns versus Big E, if it was May. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a great <clears throat> match. Plus, it makes sense. What, he, what Lashley did to Kofi, that would actually be motivation for that match to happen, more than the belt, more than the strap itself. And then that would that could provide extra motivation for the crowd. Cause you imagine how big that pop would be if Biggie beat Bobby Lashley with the New Day looking on and cheering him on, and then the three guys are all to, the band is back together again. Like that would be huge, a huge pop. So I, I agree yeah, with absolutely. You I mean, the, the crowd likes E. Um, 
you know, I think he's been misused. And him having the contract is a is a boon for him. They just they just can't fuck it up. <laughs> okay, now historically speaking, it's always been the reverse of the problem that they have right now. Normally, they would have a lot of baby faces. The baby face champion would get the belt, and then they would have no freaking heels to work with them. That's what happened with Ultimate Warrior. That's what happened with Stone Cold Steve Austin in his first uh, first run. You'd have, finally, that baby face you wanted is finally champion. Oh, wait, now we have nothing for them. Now it's like a reverse of that problem. Now it's like we have all these great heels, but there's no fucking baby face that's actually well enough developed to challenge a lot of these guys, or not enough of them. Well, we talked about that on the last show. I mean, it, that's that's poor booking, poor storylines, poor uh, positioning, the 50-50 booking that we talked about. No one is allowed to rise above the fray, or above the muck. And so that's why you have to bring back a Bill Goldberg, a John Cena to headline with your very dominant heel champions at the big pay-per-view. But you, you have a... a lower level that's starting to emerge from that. I think Finn Bauer's obviously on that level. I think Big E could be on that level. He just the 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 cartoony stuff I think needs to cut back if he's going to be taken as a serious threat to win a world championship. And then also on that level, you know, but they're in their own deal and we're going to get to that in a few minutes is like your edges and your Seth Rollinses. Um but uh yeah, I mean it it's no one else has been elevated, and so when you're talking about a Big E, when you're talking about a Finn Bauer, an Edge, a Seth Rollins, somebody who's on that that next tier, but they haven't quite reached a John Cena type level, they have to be positioned appropriately, and we're going to be talking about that here over these next couple of segments. Absolutely. Um, you know what? Uh, the next match, I'm not going to lie. The uh, and this, and I love Tamina. You know, I think she's great. I saw the beginning of this match, and then I had dozed off for about, like, 15 minutes on my couch. I'm, it's not nothing to do with the work that they did. I was just dead tired trying to fight through and watch SmackDown. Could you talk about the uh, the Knox versus Tamina match? Did I miss anything glamorous? Did I miss a great match? Did I miss even a pretty good match? No, my attitude towards this is who cares, and, and it's not because of the people – See, I feel like as I think back to all my who cares reactions, it always tends to be towards like women's matches. And that's not because of the people that are involved. Tamina, you know, she still she has her rough edges, but I actually kind of like her too. Tegan Knox, I can deal with or without. It doesn't really matter to me. It's there's what what's going on here. So so this is this is clearly setting up some type of women's tag team title match. But Natalia's had surgery, so I don't even know if if she's going to be able to have a match anytime soon, this, the entire women's tag team division, you know, and that's why it has to cross both shows because there is no division. It's a mess. Um, I don't know really what they're doing here. So, you know, this is a, this is an example in my mind of where the story and the, and the positioning is doing a disservice to the talents involved because my attitude towards this when I saw this was is I just want to fast forward through it because it's not it doesn't mean anything it's not going anywhere um, I did watch it I thought it was okay but but again Tamina Tamina's still a little rough around the edges yeah but uh, you know 
so for me, you know, again, everything around these two women wrestling just gives me a I don't care attitude. So it's, you know, if it leads to a women's tag team title match, great. But again, my attitude towards that is who cares? Because then what comes after that? I, I think this, it's just none of this works for me. So it, it's hard for me to, again, I sound like I'm coming down on the individuals involved. That is not the case at all. It's the booking around these people, the story, the, the scenario, the, the titles themselves, which again, they just, they don't mean anything to me because there really is no tag team division in the, for the women. So that that's all I have to say about this. In, in my mind, if I had to grade this, it would be a D just because I'm not, I, I think it's heading towards a women's tag team title match. It's the only thing that's stopping it from being an F, but I, I don't, they haven't explained Natalia's injury. They haven't, you know, I, I can see on her social media that she's in a, a, a cast or, or some type of boot uh, because she did have surgery. I just don't know what's going on here, and it just it felt like filler to me. Yeah, uh, I remember before dozing off, there was like a really cool tank uh, that came yeah. to the ring. But other than that, that was that was it. <laughs> and then I woke up just as uh, Edge was walking to the ring for the next segment. Um, this segment, of all things, got a little bit of controversy on social media because MJF from AEW was almost accusing Mr. Seth Rollins of plagiarism based off of the promo. Basically, I think he felt that what Seth Rollins is doing felt eerily close to maybe some of the things that he's doing. Um, I don't know. I feel like cliche heels are cliche heels, and cliche heels do some cliche heel stuff. But that being said, I do like Rollins, and I do like MJF of AEW. I like both those guys. But, uh, yeah, in this segment, we, uh, we find <laughs> there were some good jabs by Edge here. There were some good jabs from both sides. And then basically, Edge said, You can't do the job, and you'll nothing, you'll never be anything but a poor man's version of me. I thought that was pretty good. What'd you think of this segment? What were some spots on it that, that drove home for you, or was it just, was it hit or miss? Well, first of all, I think MJF dresses better than Seth Rollins because that that butterfly sports coat and the, the I mean, he looked like the friggin' Joker to me. Like, I was like what is yes, he, he wearing? Did. Yes, he did. I, I will say MJF suit game way better. And then also, oh, yeah. you know, that suit that Rollins was wearing was custom made. So he had to like pay. I'm going to guess like twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars to look that fucking stupid. Unless he just happened to get it at the thrift store, which it which is where it looks like he bought it from. Yeah, I mean, it, t so so if I if I take Seth's portion of this first, you know he he's dressing like he's still kind of the Monday Night Messiah person, but then he refers to himself as the architect. And, you know, I thought it was a nice touch in that he brought up Edge's neck injuries and, and talked about, you know, how you know, when his when he curb stomps him, basically, and puts him back into retirement. Um, so I, I thought that was all good. And then Edge challenging him and Seth responding with, well, I'll think about it, you know, basically saying, I call the shots. You're not going to trick me into accepting the challenge. But then apparently all Edge has to do is call him edge light and then that set Seth off and, and he accepted the challenge so 
I'm, I'm, I guess Edge is the one calling the shot. So that that kind of took me a little bit out of it. I think they could have just. It's clearly where they're going, but they could have waited a, a week to have him. You know, immediate to, for him to sit there, for Seth to sit there, and come across cocky and and self assured, and I'm calling the shots. And all it took was Edge calling Seth Rollins Edge Light to get him off his game. Eh. Eh. Well, you know, that that's it's too fast for me. But overall, I like the segment. You know, we got the match. So, you know, Seth's awful choice in sports codes notwithstanding, I'll give the segment a B. Yep, you know what? I uh I think that choice works for it to go quickly. Because Rollins has sort of presented himself as a bit of a hothead now, or he's turned into a bit of a hothead. And clearly, what they've done a great job with this, uh, with the current heat, is the fact that it is very well established that Edge, or that Seth Rollins feels like Edge cut in front of him and a cut in line ahead of him. And now you go into, you're just a poor version of Edge. Beautiful, brought it out of him. I'm gonna go A minus. Well, you know, poor Seth Rollins between Edge stealing his title match and everyone asking where his wife is. It's just it's a bad time to be Seth Rollins. It is definitely a bad, bad time to be Seth Rollins. <laughs> definitely a horrible time to be mm. Seth Rollins. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. All right. This next match, uh, I am going to admit that as soon as the well, intros hang- came in, uh, the Street Profits <laughs> versus the Dirty Dogs. Well, hang on. Hang on, you skipped over something. What did I skip? The, back, the, the Kayla Braxton backstage segment with Finn Balor. Oh, please explain that so she, segment. So she had a very quick, but it was a very interesting backstage segment with Finn Balor where he basically said, I'm going to take care of Baron Corbin. I'm going to teach him to, I'm going to teach him respect. And then he ends by saying he has a bone to pick with John Cena. And I thought that was. So when you talked about him getting one of his balls back at the beginning of this episode, you know, in my mind, if he did not address the John Cena piece, he was never going to get anything back. The fact that he immediately like we my concern was is they were going to get to Finn Bauer versus Baron Corbin at SummerSlam. Thank God that's not happening, because as we're going to find out later, that was quick and decisive. And that's it. (laughs) They're not going back to that. We ain't going back. That said, though. You know, him calling out John Cena, very interesting. So, you know, that that was an important piece because it actually sets up what happens later during the the uh, the Finn Balor Baron Corbin match. But we'll get to the Street Profits and the and the the Dirty Dogs. You know, Bobby Roode and and Dolph Ziggler. Um, uh, I w- good. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I will just to just add to that. Um... That Finn, Finn Balor just, uh, I think he had the exact right tone, the exact right response, which is, on one hand, I got this freaking idiot who just smashed my freaking head in, and and then I got this other idiot who comes in and signs the freaking contract. So he addresses both of them, the situation. And I will say, man, Finn looks like he's been hitting the gym before he got back. Like, he looks way more defined than I think I've seen him in a while. Looks like he put on a good, solid 10 pounds. Um, Clearly, he's a naturally built guy. But, dude, Finn is looking jacked, man. Like, he is looking like he wants to look like he belongs in the heavyweight division. And I got to give him props for that. 
because that kind of a transformation, especially when you're on the road and in the lifestyle that is pro wrestling, which is a lot of cardio, just speaking from a fitness perspective, I got to tip the hat to him. He definitely is taking this role, this character, this opportunity very seriously, and it, and it shows with his physique. So I just have to give him some credit for that. Yeah, I want his abs, man. Dude, those abs. He's got the, he's got the best abs in the business, man. Best abs. Yeah, dude. I was like, wait a minute. That guy is cut up because that's, that's always my thing because I understand that psychologically these guys want to look as big as possible. And as when you know, the first rule is when you put on size – abs are the first thing to go and i mean you're you can you're still gonna have them if you're bulking correctly but mm -hmm. they ain't they ain't looking stage ready i'll tell you that much right now like right now i'm at on stage i was 165 my abs were fantastic i was told i had the best abs on stage i'm 186 right now i still got my eight pack but it looks like it's behind something <laughs> it ain't it ain't a chiseled eight pack the struggle is real, man. The struggle is real. It's like you got to play that size to ab scenario. So what that tells me is Finn actually put on lean muscle tissue for this bout. Oh, sure. Um, I think, you know, if he is on something, I don't think it's anything major. Um, but I do think if he is enhanced, even if he is enhanced, he, he clearly put in the work. So I got to say I appreciate I appreciate guys who are fighting for the heavyweight championship who look like they, they are training for a freaking death match against the best in the world. Um, you know, Reigns always looks freaking jacked and crazy. Uh, Cena always looks jacked and crazy. Even Big E looks pretty good. But I, I appreciate that when guys look like they're in training for a major heavyweight fight. So that's all I got to say there. So moving back. Since I know we got another 58 minutes of runway. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Um, why is it, do you feel, because it's a recurring theme that we discuss, instead of just beating the crap out of some development guys, otherwise known as jobbers, because they, they're technically brought in to do a job, which is to lose to your, to your talent, why do they not allow jobbers anymore? I have my theories. What are your theories? Well, I think it's Carrie. I think that stopped around the Monday Night Wars in the, in the late 90s when they stopped having job matches. And I think the other part of it is is their roster, their, the number of talent that they have under contract is so massive. Why would you pay for to bring in you know independent folks i mean i know that they do for tryout matches but those usually happen on dark matches uh you know television tapings they they just they they become so bloated that it, it just doesn't make sense for them to do that so but in my mind if you're going to do that you can have your regular enhancement talent i mean back in the 90s they had you know uh, the brooklyn brawler for example steve lombardi uh barry horowitz before he got his push you know there were always these recurring talents that that usually did the job and they were and they were good people to do the job plus i think a lot of the enhancement talent on the indies right now either gets gobbled up into developmental contracts in nxt or they're over in AEW, or or some of them go to impact or japan so there really isn't a you know you're going to take somebody from gcw i mean do you trust them i mean i think that that's part of it too so uh, you know, I think that there's a variety of reasons. I just think it's a shame because a lot of these stories could be uh, advanced without overexposing your talent if we had the ability to do showcase matches 
and and save the actual confrontation between the main talents for bigger shows and and you know championship matches and the, and the big pay-per-views yeah the, you basically hit the nail on the head that's exactly what i think it is i just think it's a dollar and cents thing especially now when you have a nick Khan type guy in the back but this has been happening for a long time to your extent to your point it's like hey if I've got all these guys I'm paying for this week who are just freaking collecting money to go get a suntan, why am I? Why would I bring in a job guy for that when I can just bring in one of these guys I'm paying a couple grand a week to freaking come in and lose, right? Yeah, I think I think there's a thought behind you can't have a show filled with that. Like back in the day, Monday Night Raw was you know. Razor Ramon versus Job Guy, you know, interview segment. Shawn Michaels versus Job Guy, interview segment. You know, main event between two guys who you actually recognized. You can't do a whole show like that. And I think the concern is, is that if you have talent like that, you'll you'll you might lose a quarter hour rating or something like that. But I think it. I think that there's a role for that to play in protecting your talent. Again, not overexposing them. We should not. For example, we should not see. Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio and the two Usos wrestling each other week after week after week as they go from title match to title match, whether it's in singles or tag team matches, because we're seeing it, you know. So if I saw like I, I would have been great to see Rey and Dominic, you know, beat up on a local, you know, quote unquote heel tag team, have a little showcase match or or just not wrestle at all. But I think that that's I think that that's really the big problem, and I think that's why again you have this problem with your talent just being overexposed, which is crazy considering the the number of talent that they have under contract right now, recent releases notwithstanding. Yep, completely understand, completely agree with you there. Now, next match on the list. We're actually almost done with our SmackDown review. We are getting way, way faster at this because, you know, you can't have a review that's longer than the show itself, right? So I think <laughs> think we're doing pretty good here. Next up on the list, Bianca Belair and Selena Vega. Why don't you talk us through this match? Did it, did it meet or exceed the bar? Did it add to the story at all? Or was it just high-level filler? C. It, gave, it did what it needed to do. It gave Bianca Belair something to do. I Again, it's for whatever reason, Bianca Belair just does not click with me. Sasha Banks absolutely clicks with me. Um, I'm a Zelina Vega fan, but you know, she, I, think she, I think they've lost an opportunity with her since she came back uh, you know, under a WWE contract. This match did what it needed to do, gave Bianca something to do, advanced the storyline to the title match at SummerSlam, the action itself was fine, but I didn't feel it was anything special. And I'm, you know, anything involving that long hair of Bianca Belair, I just, it, I don't know. I know, I know a lot of people like it. She clearly gets good reactions from the crowd. It's definitely, it's definitely me, not her. But with that said, it was fine. It was what it was. It was a C to me. Yeah, that's my that's my thing with uh, Bianca Belair. Also, I think she's a she's a great talent. Um, I think she probably hits with me a little bit better than she hits with you, even though I'm. Not somebody who thinks she's spectacular, but I do think she's pretty good. She wears the title well. Um, 
I just see that long ass hair and I'm like, wouldn't a girl just grab it and just start freaking throwing like ragdolling you with it? Like if she choke was choke her with it, choke her with it. Uh, <laughs> she's competing against someone like a Nia Jax or one of those types of girls. Like I could totally foresee like a freaking uh, what Hulk did to Loki <laughs> in the first Avengers movie with that thing. Just do you think do you think a woman with that kind of hair is going to be competing in UFC? Oh, hell no. No. No, it's ridiculous. It, so I shouldn't see it. I know it's her gimmick. It's just, it's stuff like that. Like, it's, ah. They actually have rules working. against that in the UFC. Like, if you had that, I'm sure, sure the athletic commission would be like, hey, you you either got to lop that off or you got to do something with it, but you can't you can't fight like that. If your um, own hair is a tripping hazard, it's too long. 100, 155% with you there. All right. This. This I loved. I loved the whole damn thing, front to back, left to right. Dear God, it did. Like, first, we see Finn Balor go to a different level in the promo. Now, we get to see this crazy bastard get to go into into a new level in the ring, and I absolutely loved how he just beat the ever-living shit out of Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin gets some offense, but nothing meaningful, kicks the ever-loving shit out of him, and then we'll go into the next segment. But goddamn, this is where he grabbed his freaking ball back. He, he had both testicles removed. This week he got one of them back, and if they play this right next week, I think they can get it back. And I, th- and I think if they play this storyline just right, not only will he be the third wheel in that triple threat match, not only will he be the mosquito. Anytime the person who's off in a triple threat match, by the way, folks, I call them the mosquito, the person who's, like, just there to ruin some spots, to break some pins, get in a little offense, but you know they're not going to win. If they play this right, he is a viable threat to both guys, both reigns and Cena, Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin. For me as the viewer, I know it may they may have had some missteps. It may not have been perfect, but goddamn with what it needed to do for Finn Balor. When we asked that question, how is, how is he going to come back from this? Well, son of a bitch, <laughs> they did it. Match was great. Finn went next level. Fucking beat Baron's ass like he was a freaking job guy. This is my first A plus. I give it an A plus. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, so I'm gonna tell you right now. Um, this was easily the highlight of the show. Um, everything about this gives me hope that they actually know what they're doing here. And this goes all the way back to the first backstage interview that that he did. That I that I that I mentioned earlier, where he called out John Cena, he came out. The question is, is is he viable? He's in the orbit of Roman Reigns now. Is he viable? And everything about this segment, from the moment he came out until the very end, this was an A plus plus for me. They they first of all they didn't waste his time by beating him Baron Corbin at SummerSlam. No one wanted to see that. They got that out of the way because they're definitely not going there now. He he killed him in about two and a half minutes. That's exactly what he needed to do. 
then he immediately grabs the mic. You know, hey, if this had happened to me three years ago, I would have smiled, but that Finn Bauer's dead. I want Cena. I want my title match. Fuck yeah, baby. Yep. That's what I want. Yep. Right? So then he Roman Reigns comes out, and now it's like, okay, business is picking up, right? Yep. And and Roman does the, hey, you know, I was trying to give you an opportunity, but keep my keep my name out of your mouth. Bauer shoves him out of the ring. He's calling him back. Now the Usos jump him, but he doesn't get steamrolled right away. Yep. He actually gets the upper hand on both of the Usos. Reigns comes back to the ring. He's starting to get the upper hands on Reigns. And then the number and at that point the numbers game catches up to him. He didn't get punked out by the bloodline. It was it was he was fighting back. And, you know, eventually the numbers again just got to him. You end the show with Reigns holding the title over his head. No John Cena anywhere, and that's the title match, supposedly at SummerSlam, but we'll get to that in a minute. Everything about this was perfect to keep Bauer where he needs to be. Everything about it, it's amazing. He ends the segment on his back with Reigns on top of him holding up the belt, and Bauer is elevated. He's yep. above the fray right now, so he is a viable contender. What they do from here, we shall see. But everything about this was absolutely perfect, the perfect way to end the show, and the perfect way to leave some mystery is we, you know, we still have two weeks to go until SummerSlam. We, we still what have. is going to happen? A++, perfect. 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 Perfect, yeah, because we still don't know. We, we assume it's going to be a number one, uh, we assume it's going to be a triple threat match, but that hasn't been named yet. Um, well, well, this gives me actually – I could see them going four ways here. So we have options. You know, it's not predictable. Do, do So uh, the obvious is the triple threat, right? Yep. Okay, well, that's a possibility. The other possibility is that they're setting up Finn Bauer to be the, the, the Roman's, you know, main uh, challenger coming out of SummerSlam. Possible. Um, is this potentially setting up a Finn Bauer-John Cena match? Ooh. You would think not. You would think Cena's back just for Reigns, but Bauer called out Cena twice. Yes, he did. Remember, he said, name the time, name the place, and I'll be there. So are they possibly set? I think that that's less likely, but are they possibly setting that up? Or are they leaving it as a one-on-one match where there's a possibility that Finn Bauer interferes at SummerSlam? So there's a lot of different ways that they can go here. All of them fascinate me. Yes. Um, And I'm dying to see, like, we know who's winning the match at SummerSlam unless they make it a triple threat. And then now, now I would have some questions, but everything about this is just perfect. I'm fascinated to see what happens next with Finn Bauer they're actually positioning him and they're actually the writing and the and the talent around him are elevating him this is perfect i'm i'm dying to hear more from you on this well for me i hate to i am the fitness guy folks so i'm sorry but i'm looking at screenshots of him standing next to reigns and clearly reigns is a big boy significantly bigger than finn but finn looks like he belongs in there with reigns so the thing is you don't have to be as big as the top dog. You have to look like you're a threat to the top dog. And Finn, perfect. Whoever his trainer is, you're doing the right thing. You're, you're doing the right things. Um, 
Do you so, get the feeling that maybe Paul Heyman is helping to produce these segments? I was just about to say that as well. That was the yep. next thing I was going to say because if you look at this, it's perfect. Every Everything around this match, do you not – like? I can't think of anything really bad that's happened. I mean, yeah, we – we had our issues with Baron Corbin interrupting the contract signing, but damn, that might have been a blessing in disguise for this whole thing because now well, we had Finn go full ape shit on somebody, had a reason to, and now this sparks up this. It, it fed fuel to the fire. So you and I had referred to that as uh, the Vietnam sequence of Full Metal Jacket, <laughs> but now I'm thinking, um, God damn. I'm thinking it's like one of those sequences in a movie where at the time you're like, okay, what does this have to do with anything? But then once that final moment clicks, it's like, oh, that all made sense. It's like those little Pulp Fiction like nuggets. Okay, it's like, hey, this isn't bad, but what's it got to do with anything? And then swing it around, boom, you got money. And I agree with you, bro. Like Paul Heyman has to have his name somewhere on this. And in all honesty, just let Paul Heyman handle more responsibilities backstage. Have him do Usos, uh, Mysterios as well. Uh, have him do Bianca. You know what? Make Paul Heyman the executive producer of SmackDown and just let him – just give it to him and run. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's eerie that you had told me that because that was my next thing. Heyman's, Heyman is all over this. Heyman is well, I, all over this. I, I honestly, I only had one issue with this segment. What was your one issue? Everything about the segment was perfect, and the and the multi-week storytelling that they're clearly doing here is great. My problem with the segment is, is why can't the rest of the show be like this? Exactly. No, I because they clearly have the ability. They oh yeah, dude, well when you see this, this is like okay, this is a product. This is something that AEW will never be able to touch unless couple of signings come back but i'm like this is top level pro wrestling the best guys in the world or i, I should say the best yeah. professional wrestlers in the world presented in the best way with the best booking the best storyline and you said something great there this match this confrontation ended with finn on his back with freaking roman's boot on him and this is probably the most over Finn has ever been in his career right now. He's being elevated. And he, he's he, being elevated with he a... In, he, he is in that second orbit that I referred to earlier, yeah. and he is closing in on that first orbit now. At and that's where you want him to be. Because at first, Finn was like written off as a joke almost. Because it was like, hey, perhaps if you, you're not interested in his challenge, maybe you're interested in mine. And then that's Roman. A good, that's a good Finn Balor impression. I like that. Yeah, thanks, man. Then Finn, or then Roman accepts, and now I can't help but feel like the Reigns character is gonna be like, oh fuck, man, this guy, this guy's kind of dangerous. Like, what the fuck? They're 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 rushing from his return. Like he only came back from NXT a few weeks ago. Yep. They're they're really rushing through. I would have. Uh, there's a part of me that would almost prefer to see a slower build with him but the fact that they rushed into it but now they're setting it up correctly yep now i can see scenarios where balor takes the title 
I can too. At some point. So, but but there's more more dominoes have to fall. They're not there. They're not even close to that yet. But a lot can happen in the WWE, and a lot can happen in the next two weeks that may make me feel differently, depending on what they're setting up for SummerSlam, how Finn Balor is involved. But I think next Friday SmackDown is going to be huge. A Friday the thirteenth SmackDown. Could they bring back the demon? Oh. Well, well, you know, again, he he did say, hey, the old Finn Bauer's dead, so I don't I don't know. I it, there's it's so open right now. It it and that's that's what excites me. I don't I don't I know where they're, I know what's happening between Reigns and Cena. Cena is not winning at SummerSlam. The inclusion of Bauer around all of this, I'm intrigued. I want to see more. Hundred percent. So, Steve, with everything we had mentioned, the good segments, the bad segments, the shit that I fell asleep to, what would you rate this week's SmackDown? Well, I mean, let, let me just uh, do a stream of consciousness here. If we talk about the pros of the show, um, continuing to build the SummerSlam, that's good. Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns are freaking gold. Roman Reigns is the best in the business right now. Yep. I don't care what's going on on Raw. I don't care what's going on in NXT, and I don't care what's going on in AEW. There is no one on the level of Roman Reigns right now. Seth Rollins and Edge continuing their build. Uh, the crowd loves them. Some Bianca Belair. Uh, Big E is still in that orbit. They're keeping him in there. And Finn Balor was amazing. So all positives. Um, the only real negative is what's going on with the Intercontinental Championship. But I'm going to tell you, overall a a amazing compared to what we've seen edition of smackdown if i had to grade it i would grade it a b plus b plus all right well by my own rules <laughs> i was going to give it a b minus but i said that the, since there was no reggie i'd have to bump it up so i'm in full agreement with you it's a b plus for me as well uh, all all the stuff that we loved and no 24-7 fucking title match. So it's a B-plus for me. I think if next week they make this thing unfold properly, we could be looking at our first A SmackDown if they do it correctly because I am intrigued with the main event. And what I got to say is how you end the show means – everything the most the the most exciting part of the show should always happen at the end and it should always be the main eventers of the pay-per-view that you're trying to promote because that's what you're trying to draw that's what you're that that's what's going to make me sit through one hours at one hour and 45 minutes of this program so i can get to that portion right leave you wanting more at the end and i wanted more i honestly was like dude if they just extended this for 30 minutes i would i would be awesome but they left me wanting more i thought it was great and if we were to compare the shows of this week, you got AEW and the Raw, and then this one, uh, and then SmackDown, it's not even close. SmackDown, I feel, just overshadowed both of them. And I will say this, a uh, couple years back, I was like, Roman Reigns is not a main event guy. Um, this was when uh, he fought uh, Brock Lesnar, and it was Suplex City versus the Superman Punch. I was like, this guy is a mid-carder at best. 
but goddamn, he changed my mind. So I'm going to say it here on this show as somebody who constantly trashed Roman Reigns a few years ago. Roman Reigns is the fucking king of the professional wrestling business at this point in time. He is the best in the world, and to your point, it ain't even fucking close. Well, and think about, you know, you go back to Dynamite, you know, a dominant main event between Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes where where Black dominated and left Cody laying. Yep. And here on SmackDown, you have a, a even more dominant showing from Finn Bauer over Baron Corbin, which is exactly what it should have been. Corbin should not be competitive with Bauer right now. And you leave Bauer laying in the ring. In both cases, I'm dying to see what the follow-up is. And that's what you have to do. You have to create some intrigue and not have it be so predictable. Strong shows, though, all week. Raw was a better show than the previous Raw. Dynamite was better than the previous Dynamite on the strength of the main event. And this episode of SmackDown, I think from top to bottom, from start to finish, minus the stuff that's going on with the IC title and, and the women's tag team title match. Very strong. I thought it was a excellent week from a from the shows of professional wrestling. Um, and uh, yeah, just great, great stuff. Great stuff all around. And I think it's time to bring this show home because I feel like this has been our best show thus far. Speaking well, hey. of strong programs... <laughs> well, hey, before we get to that point, real quick, I just wanted to t I wanted to do two things. And the first is to let you know, because on a previous episode of this podcast, you had played a game of uh, fuck, marry, or kill. Yes. And one of the questions, I believe, was AEW hiring a, uh, a wrestling person, right? Yep. To, to oversee the the booking or to to help out with the stories currently on the warner brothers website because they are the parent company warner media yep they are hiring for a director of scripted development and programming for a e w oh snap so what you're saying is i should spruce up my resume toss it on over and see what happens yeah and actually for their essentials Experience at the executive level in the television industry, particular focus on professional wrestling. Well, I am eliminated then, but that <laughs> means that a lot of people are going to be eliminated from that job. So fascinating job posting though, is about what could possibly be coming down the pike with our friends over on all elite wrestling. But Hey, the only other thing I wanted to do just real quick is, you know, as we're sitting here and we're two weeks out from SummerSlam right now, based on what I saw on the WWE website, there's six matches announced. You've got the universal title match, Roman Reigns and John Cena. We'll see what happens there. The world championship match between Bobby Lashley and Goldberg, the triple threat, Nikki cross for the, for the raw women's championship, Nikki cross versus uh, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. SmackDown Women's Championship, we talked about Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. The SmackDown Tag Team Championship, the Usos and the Mysterios, and the Edge and Seth Rollins. And then we think what we're going to get, Styles and Omos versus Orton and Riddle for the Raw Tag Titles. I feel like we're heading towards a Sheamus Damian pre-showdown for the United States title. I think it's clear we're going to get Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal. So that leaves us with nine 
total matches, whether or not they do something with Apollo Crews and Shinsuke Nakamura, like I said, I really don't care at this point. So I, I was sitting back and I was thinking to myself, well, who's a significant talent right now who doesn't have a dance partner, meaning a match, yeah. at SummerSlam? You got Finn Bauer. He doesn't have a match, but we but they're doing something with him. Yep. Big E does not have a match. Big E does not have a match. Big E, oh, very, very interesting. So I'm 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 intrigued, and they haven't really set Big E up for anything. So a lot of interesting stuff going on. I think the only other name that I can think of that doesn't really have a match right now might be Kevin Owens. Yeah. But they're really, you know, I'm not sure what they're doing with him right now. I think they're kind of shuffling some story with him but i think our i think our SummerSlam card is is almost set at this point finn balor currently not having a match really interests me i think we agree they're probably going to stick him in the if he's not if he's not in the match he's going to be involved in some way um fascinating card I'm looking forward to us doing some previews on that one, but uh, oh, we like will said, def thinking... we will definitely do a full preview show before oh, yeah. SummerSlam. That is definitely going to happen. We might have to do an instant reaction following Ooh. the show. Well, since we will be there live in beautiful Las Vegas. Well, but with that, sir, I'll turn it back over to you. Well, here is what's what's going to happen since our TikTok page is picking up traction at a pretty fast rate. So what we're actually going to do is at the end, before and after every match, we're going to give our predictions and our immediate reactions on our TikTok page. Mm. So that is what's going to happen there. Slammer Um, Brothers on TikTok. Yep. TikTok, the Slammer Bros. Giving you the hot, juicy, sticky instant reactions live from Allegiant Stadium. We'll give you the I live like ones, and then immediately after, we're gonna do a podcast, probably from a, probably from a very nice Vegas condo, <laughs> to discuss. Absolutely, with some with some adult beverages in hand, so that we can uh, break it down accordingly. Break it down accordingly with the immediate reaction as it happens. As two wrestling fans who were there. Will we give full analysis, or will we be victims of the moment? That will be an exciting one. And what's going to be very interesting is because us as people who watch on the TV, I'm going to let you know right now, when I'm watching this live, I'm going to be cheering my freaking head off. And and as long as they don't do anything stupid, cartoony, looking at you, Alexa Bliss, uh, (laughs) not going to be very many boos from me because I haven't got to see live wrestling in about 15 years since I was a freshman in high school. So it's going to be very – actually, no, longer than that. Holy crap. It's more mm. like 17 years since I have seen live in-person wrestling. So it's going to be a fun one. Well, this will be my first pay-per-view since the 2018 Royal Rumble. And then I saw SummerSlam back in '16. So I, I I go to I go to shows. I go to pay-per-views. Um, pay-per-views are always great experiences. So we'll have that, you know. The and then we'll see what happens from here. You know, like I said, the the rumor being that Survivor Series is going to be in my neck of the woods from Barclays Center in Brooklyn, which means I will be there. 
And then at that point, I think if I bought into SummerSlam and, and Survivor Series, then I got to go to the Royal Rumble. Oh, dude, I've always wanted to go to see a Royal Rumble live. I will go. If you go, I will go as well. Well, we're going, and I'm going to tell you right now, for yourself and for anyone else out there, I know most wrestling fans are fans of the Royal Rumble. It is a freaking fantastic thing to see live. I'm telling you right now, the crowd is always fun. The countdowns are awesome. And even sitting through both a men and a women's Royal Rumble, it just does not get old because it's it's just constantly coming at you. And honestly, with the quality of the announced teams these days, I'd almost rather see it without the announced team. So it's it's great. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing you, brother, out there in Las Vegas and, and hanging out at SummerSlam. And then uh, we'll talk about what's coming, what's upcoming with respect to the big pay-per-view offerings from the World Wrestling Entertainment Group and what the uh, involvement of the Slammer Brothers are going to be with uh, as we get ready for the, the long journey here to WrestleMania season. It's definitely, definitely going to be interesting, that is for sure. But if the people at home, well, I mean, before we get to that part, people are going to miss us between podcasts because we only give them three a week. <laughs> So, when they can't hear uh, hear you on Twitch, Stephen, where can they find you on social media? Well, if you, if you, I'm glad you said social media because I was about to say crying outside of Citizens Bank Park, but <laughs> um, where they can find me on the social media is on the Instagram, Steve underscore Slammer. That's Steve underscore Slammer on the Instagram. Uh, and that is where they can find me, brother. Tell them where they can find you and all of the fantastic offerings of Jack Slammer Fitness. Well, if you want to hire me as your fitness coach, you can hire me at jackslammer.com. Mention that you listen to this podcast, and I will give you a discount. Not going to name what the discount is, but for the first three months, you will get a discount. I'm now, just letting you know I listen to the podcast, so you know does that, does that discount apply? No. No. (laughs) I had to give that awkward silence. And then uh, you can find me on Instagram at Jack underscore Slammer Fitness. I'm on TikTok at O Jack Slammer. You could follow us if you want to see this live on twitch.tv forward slash the Slammer Bros. Watch these videos and the replays live in their entirety on YouTube. Look up the Slammer Bros. And then. We are available on every single major podcasting network, Apple, Google, uh, Amazon. We're going to be on Spotify pretty soon here. We are literally everywhere you want to go. Just uh, Google the Slammer Bros podcast. You will see us there in its entirety. But until next time, thank you so, so much for tuning in. And we will see you on Tuesday as we review Three fucking hours of WWE Raw. Don't miss it. See you soon.